Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. In this episode, we're going to talk about what predicts successful couples counseling, so which couples do the best in couples counseling. This was a request from somebody in my Facebook group, so you should join that if you haven't. That is separate from subscribing to the podcast. Uh, In the Facebook group, you get to interact with me more and with like-minded Dr. Psych Mom readers. And if you subscribe via Anchor to the podcast, then you get all the subscription episodes the most recent of which was uh, when men try to say that the only reason they have a job is for their wives and to use that as like some kind of blackmail when it's not true. Uh, So then that is an interesting episode and you get that one and loads more. So what factors predict successful couples counseling? So there's certain... um, areas uh, of, of work that you can do in couples counseling that are going to be pretty fruitful. So obviously the ubiquitous communication skills, people can learn to fight more fairly. They can learn what constitutes a normal amount and type of fighting. They can learn to say what their feelings are better. They can learn to express themselves verbally, even if that is not their want. Um, W-O-N-T, not W-A-N-T, may not be your want either, but, (laughs) but, you know, you got to compromise on shit. Um, and, uh, you can certainly learn to empathize with one another. You can learn what one another's love languages are and how not to condescend to each other's love language. This is a big one with women who think that the man's need for sex is just completely off the wall and animalistic, learning that that is not the case. And for men who think that a woman's need for emotional closeness is stupid and overly romantic, and uh, he can learn not to be a dick about that as well. But, um, what do you need? as like a prerequisite for all of this, people need to be motivated. So I get sometimes couples in that A, aren't married and B, don't have kids. Um, like <laughs> if you're not getting along and you don't have kids, you're not married, break up. Like this, this is what dating is for. Dating is to figure out who you're compatible with. So if you have to go to couples counseling, I'm not talking about premarital counseling. That's nice. You know, that's like kind of an extended version of some sort of uh, personality testing, you know, that can help you learn about each other. That's great. But if you have active, massive uh, conflictual issues as a couple before you get married and have kids and or have kids, get out. So like if you're in a sexless marriage and you don't have children, I did a podcast about this. Like, why are you in it? What do you think is going to get better after children? you know, and or if you don't want children to begin with, nobody is going to suffer from your breakup except the two of you who suffer from being together. So um, if you are not held together by something very strong, such as having a family, commingled finances, I mean, a family is just uh, the the number one, but other ones are, of course, commingled finances, property, businesses, Um, you know, you're, you're in each other's lives, but really the big one is kids, you know, I mean, so so if, you, if y'all don't have kids and you're fighting over shit, you're going to keep fighting in couples counseling because nobody is that motivated to change because you don't have to. There's no superordinate goal. There's no, there, there's no people who are going to deeply suffer if you break up. So if you don't have a motivator of family, then, you know, it usually doesn't go as well. People kind of trail off because, you know, they they kind of see that 
you know, they ought to break up if, if things keep going so badly. And if they are locked in this dysfunctional pattern, which they likely are, if you're the sort of person who's in couples counseling before marriage, you likely saw a bad marriage growing up. You're ambivalent about commitment. You're ambivalent about the relationship as a whole, and you don't have good skills at um, communicating and so forth. Um, you know, you're likely drawn to somebody who exacerbates these issues. And if there are not uh, larger overarching reasons to stay together, then couples counseling can seem like an exercise in futility and certainly time and money wasting. So so uh, my, my number one thing to say would be if you are having issues before you are even married, then don't get married. You know, that's that's uh, what people very much regret when they end up divorcing is that they knew that there were issues before they even got married. Then why the hell did they still get married? That's what they say to themselves. Right. So if you are a couple with kids and have that big motivator to stay together, then that helps. What else helps? Being verbal. I mean, couples counseling is a very verbal modality. So if one or both of you hates talking, you're not going to do as well in couples counseling. And that's, that's just how it is. I mean, that's what therapy is, is basically a very uh, words-based modality. And if one of you hates talking, then couples counseling is going to become extremely painful, no matter matter what. And and your best bet as a couples counselor who doesn't, you know, focus on the communication as much at, or focuses on that as well, because it's always big, but um, also focuses on what you guys should be actively doing outside of the room in order to connect in terms of uh, your sex life, activities to do together, quality time spent together, and other things that may be more in your wheelhouse if you're not very verbal. So in that case, you're mostly suffering through the couple session, but but it's a means to an end of creating more intimacy that may be in your um, way of, of doing things, you know, more of a nonverbal way that that could be what you end up with, even though the couples therapy itself is a verbal modality. But again, it, it, if you are both two highly verbal people that love to communicate, then couples counseling is probably going to go better for you. So, so far we have kids and we have that. Now what's next? There has to be attraction still, especially the man toward the woman. As I've said, men need to think their wife is hot for things to work. It, you know, men can tolerate a, a lot of shit, although not infinite shit, because as I discussed in a prior podcast, um, men are people too. And when their wife acts like she hates them all the time, they don't want to have sex, even if they have a high sex drive. But in that case, they can still probably and still do say to me and express, yes, I'm still physically attracted to her, but it's the personality and it's like how we communicate. That's a turnoff. But let me tell you, if there's no physical attraction and you're fighting, there's not going to be much to work on there. And another thing that we can't do because we're not magic is we cannot create attraction when there was no attraction ever. So when people get married in the absence of any uh, physical chemistry, that is usually not a repairable situation unless in, in, in the in the specific case where a woman has had sexual trauma, she does not really think of herself as a sexual entity at all, thus she has no chemistry with anybody, and the husband was just a, you know, a nice guy that she married, she can potentially learn to become more of a sexual entity if, if she was not. But in a situation where she was attracted to other men, but she was not attracted to him, 
Well, you know, she is, she's never going to be. Couples counseling is not going to create that, although she could still, and I've discussed this in other podcasts of what to do when your partner's never attracted to you. But generally, um, if she really does want to stay together for the kids and because she loves the man, she can learn to be more sexual. It, but um, I cannot create attraction when there was not attraction, you know, except in as much as the personality level attraction will likely increase as the emotional intimacy increases and then you can get so far with that that it could be potentially in a best case scenario indistinguishable to the man from genuine attraction or at least uh, monogamous attraction which is not going to be porn level variety anyway uh, okay so if there's some sort of uh, attraction still between the partners kids and um, if you're both verbal and another one, of course, is if you have the time and money to engage. If you don't, you know, like I have couples that they, they really could benefit from couples counseling, but it's like nearly impossible to schedule with them. So in these cases, I urge people to think, you know, you know, it's going to be a real shit show of scheduling your divorce. You know, that, that that's tough. Scheduling gets very difficult. So, you know, you, you got to be very, very uh, flexible with scheduling at that point so probably more so than trying to get in 45 minutes via video uh, once a week or every other week that's going to look like a dance through the meadow compared to the scheduling fiascos that will happen when you are divorced and you need to be with the kids 50% of the time but then you still have your job but then you still have this but then you have to be flexible about this because then it's parent teacher night and she went last time and you got to go this time whatever so if you are um, generally feel like you're a motivated couple that wants to remain together, but you just can't get your shit together to schedule, I urge you to reframe that and think about how it's going to be down the line in terms of scheduling if you don't get in now. Um, another area where it's now, now this one is like either can go well or not when there are so many empathic ruptures have built up that one person is basically completely out of the marriage, uh, emotionally, then couples counseling cannot break, it cannot resuscitate the dead. But, uh, there are cases when somebody thinks that there's so many empathic ruptures that there can't possibly be any sort of, um, reconnection, but they're wrong because the uh, partner has never actually apologized. In a meaningful way, and once they do, all of a sudden there becomes some new blossoming, small feelings of closeness and tenderness. So, if you're in the, you think that there's too many empathic ruptures that this can't survive camp, then that is a situation when I would encourage you to try couples counseling, and I would think it might go well, especially if you hit the other variables that I uh, told you about, because you never know. You know, like maybe finally, hopefully the therapist is, is useful in the regard of what we are uh, trained to do, which is to help people communicate and understand one another better. And perhaps the empathic ruptures could be repaired with the benefit of a third party. Um, another, um, and this is specific to the type of couples counselor, but another thing that is not going to work is if you have sexual issues and you think that just working on the emotional part is going to help, it's not. So... Um, you got to be talking about the sexual part too. And if, if you're uh, in therapy where the therapist says basically, well, you know, the sexual issues usually get better once people communicate better. No, they don't. I have people, I'm not going to say throughout money because yeah, maybe they learn to communicate better. Okay. Um, but they learned to communicate better for years and years of weekly sessions during which they were celibate or close to it and, um, or the, having a sex life that is garbage. 
at least in the view of one person, which if it's in the view of one person, it's usually in the view of both people. <laughs> so um, it just doesn't like miraculously help itself, you know, somehow, which is what people who do not like to talk about sex or are not trained to talk about sex or whatever um, like to think is that if you fix the emotional closeness, then the sexual closeness follows. The, the, the why like if you think about it it's illogical it's like saying if you become happier then you will be able to run three miles without stopping how those things can't be linked you know like <laughs> like they're just completely orthogonal constructs you know but like it, they have nothing to do with each other but it, it seems at first glance like I guess yeah sure we're both happier so then we have better sex wait how do we get to that one so like if you break it down it doesn't really work but you know people like to tell themselves this so if you're in a relationship that has sexual issues and you're not talking about them in session one uh, maybe wait till session two bring it up ask about it and if it is not going to ever happen if you get the sense that, I mean you'll get the sense that the therapist is much like your partner that doesn't like to talk about sex in that case get the hell out of Dodge before you throw your money out you know you might as well donate it to a good cause <laughs> you know the ASPCA can benefit from your money more than you will in a week of uh, week after week after week of couples counseling that does not focus on the sexual issues that you know are there. All right, so uh, hopefully this helped you gain perspective on who does well in couples counseling and who doesn't. Um, in terms of individual level variables, the more open-minded people are, the better they do in both individual and couples counseling. Um, and by which I mean people that can have their worldview challenged, people that are not incredibly close-minded and defensive. Now, if you are incredibly close-minded and defensive or you've been accused of such by your partner, individual therapy may be what you need to um, supplement couples because if you cannot handle being challenged, what's likely going to happen in couples is that the couples counselor gets scared of you because as I talked about in the previous, in the podcast about therapists, therapists are people too. So if you're like a tremendous ass they're going to back away from you usually and assume that over time hopefully you come to the table willing to play ball more but you're going to end up kind of um, making it this very closed kind of loop where the therapist is not allowed to say certain things to you otherwise you get loud you get sulky you skip the next session whatever the case may be so you kind of um, create the situation where you can get no feedback if you're going to do that or if you recognize that you're partner would do that, uh, individual therapy may be the way to go at first. Um, if you're, you or your partner are not clicking with the therapist by like a few sessions in, then you also ought to get out because it's not going to help you if you do not feel like this person understands what's going on. And if one of you likes a therapist, the other one doesn't, then you could work with it potentially because if the partner who likes the therapist you know, is encouraged by the therapist to change and to grow and whatever, then that can lead to positive change in the unit, right? And the couple. But if both of you hate the therapist, <laughs> well, then don't be stupid. Get out, you know? Don't stay in to spite one another, <laughs> punishing one another with the terrible therapist. Like, get out. If one of you loves the therapist, then at least see, okay, maybe the therapist will have a lot of, you know, ability to shape how that person listens and responds 
responds and, re- and understands the situation differently, even if I don't like the therapist that much, you know, let me think about why. Probably that it's because the therapist challenges you in some way. I also have a podcast on why we hate people is because it's a disavowed part of ourselves, you know. But again, if both of you hate the therapist, don't like just this. This is not um, this is not supposed to be torture, you know. Wait, <laughs> check another therapist out. See if one of you likes a new therapist. At least one of you. So um, those are the overarching points on who's going to benefit from couples counseling and in what situations. So please um, take that to heart. As always, you could reach out to me for therapy or coaching, and um, you can reach out to. Uh, me for my group practice where I have counselors and uh, couples counselors in various states, particularly around the D.C. area, but there are others as well. That's Best Lateral Health, and I link to that every time in every one of my descriptions. So um, if you do feel like you need couples counseling, another, um, I mean, a, an implied an implied uh, other variable here that I ought to state directly is do not wait until you are on the precipice of divorce because, again, we're not Houdini. We cannot resuscitate the dead. And um, the, the, a miracle is not going to happen if y'all are basically divorced already. So don't do it when already things have jumped the shark. Try to do it when you are feeling frustrated and upset for a few years versus 20 years, you know? Um, like, you know, like ride out a couple months, you know, that you should be able to get back on track from potentially. But if it's been at least a couple years that y'all have not been getting along or have had these hot button issues that cause conflict, well, you know, what are you waiting for? Things generally do not get better after a few years. They, they tend to get worse. Uh, not better. All right. So hopefully y'all got something out of this and I will talk to everybody soon. Please do subscribe. Also follow me on TikTok and YouTube. Those are my newest platforms because I'm just so on top of shit Um, (laughs) and so trendy. And um, anyway, or Facebook and Instagram for us old people. And I will talk to everybody soon. Bye-bye.